The next train to Tangent City departs in one minute. This is an unlimited service that may stop at reviews, spoilers, and swearing. Passengers traveling with young or conservative travel companions are reminded to read the show description before embarking on any journey to Tangent City. We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Do it, do it, do it. Bajiggity. <laughs> yeah, I've got to work out what bajiggity's from. I feel I just, bit, oh, I no, like that it. might be a Buffy thing. Bajiggity. I feel all bajiggity. I feel like it may be. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched any Buffy. It just feels nice to say. Imagine, like, going to the doctors and they're like, so what can we do for you today? I just feel a bit bajiggity. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like my what's it, who's it's just out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. That sounds rude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, meanwhile, the cat's licking her No, bits. I've got bajoggity. Bajiggity. Here we go. Uh, I think you should copyright that right now. Bajiggity. What does it mean, though? It's got to be something positive, I think. No, it's an adjective in the vein of going berserk, according to the French. You're like feeling all bajiggity. Like, meh. I'm going to get bajiggity on the dance floor. (laughs) No, No, I don't think that's Is that your dancing skills? I'm sure it was a Buffy thing. I just can't find anything. Anyway, I'm not here to do research. I'm here to talk about movies. So, (laughs) (laughs) and now I've just got Will Smith getting jiggy with it stuck in my head. Oh no, don't! What do you think I've been singing the whole time? Oh no, it's it's a thing. (laughs) It's done. You've been incepted. Oh no. <laughs> Seriously, there's a there's a website called Enhanced Physio Wagga Wagga. Oh, actually, it's just Enhanced Physio Wagga because you know we're cool. And it's the page title is Bajiggity CBD Oil Enhanced Physio. Mm. Bajiggity must be a brand of CBD oil. Mm. Love it <laughs> from Wagga Wagga. I'm guessing it's available in Wagga. Um, that's brilliant. Isn't it Wagga 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 or is it just one Wagga now? Oh, no. When you're cool, you just say Wagga. Oh. I'm assuming. <laughs> is that that Twin City where we went to but no. we're on the other side? No. No, that's Wollongong in Albany. Oh. So Albany? where's Wagga Wagga? I don't know. New South Wales? Albury. Albury. Yeah, Albury Wodonga. Albury Wodonga. Yeah. Albury Plaza. No. Every time people say plaza, I think of, what's that, Taganomi? Uh-huh. Nakatomi. Uh-huh. Nakatomi. I watched that for the first time. I do How? I, well, we found it and then we streamed it and watched it. <laughs> that was, that's the. <laughs> where, where was it streaming? Um, I don't know. I think we got it off, um, I don't know, Apple or. I forget where we got I don't know. Chris is in charge of finding stuff. How, we but- just rented it from somewhere. So you got through the 80s mm-hmm. and the 90s mm-hmm. and a lot of the 2000s. All of them. <laughs> up until recently <laughs> without having watched Die Hard. We, yeah. we established on uh, Unscripted a few weeks back that uh, Rachel has never seen The Karate Kid. No, no, no. I've Excuse s- me. I've seen it once. Well, once is not Are enough. Are we even recording? That's, yeah. Once that's, is not enough. No, I agree. It's kind of like if you say I've seen The Karate Kid once, that's like saying I've never seen The Karate Kid. I, I was forced to see it by an ex-partner 
because um, the new Karate Kid with with Jaden Smith was coming out, oh. and I mentioned that I'd never seen Karate Kid, and he was like, "Oh my god, it was one of my favorites." So I watched it, and I was like, "Yeah, it's a movie." I think unless you watch it when you you know you're young, it's just it doesn't live up to the same kind of expectations and hype. Mm. You know? Yeah. Like, that makes sense. It, it's like that whole theory. Is it a good movie or did you see it when you were eight? Yeah. And I think it's one of those. See, I rewatched The Karate Kid recently and I still love it. Mm. But, you know, maybe it's nostalgic for me. Maybe. I don't know. Sorry. I love how the dogs are just. <laughs> it's not Lewis getting all angry in the background. It's the dogs having a bit of a chat yeah. fight. Yeah. Just doing their thing. It's the joys of uh, recording in a uh, makeshift studio. I don't think they've ever been this nuts. I know. They've been very cute. They're competing for my attention. <laughs> Get over yourself. No, they probably are. Seriously. They probably I'm kidding. Are. I'm they kidding. She's my person. No, she's my person. Actually, I, I don't know. If oh, this feels like primary school. She's my best friend. No, she's my best friend. Oh, yeah, I definitely had some of those fights. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't, don't know if we're recording when Cecilia mentioned that uh, she has two new rats. And we never actually asked what the rats' names are. Oh, yeah. Oh, so they're called Fritz and Spud. Fritz and Spud. <laughs> So types of potatoes. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Because they look like little potatoes. <laughs> but with really gross tails. Because they're, um, they're, uh, they're grey and kind of beigey looking and they just reminded me of Did potatoes. You take, have you got photos on your phone? I've got one, but I think it's through the cage, but I'll show you guys. Just while you're looking up that, did you know that Fritz and Spud were types of potatoes? Because what? <laughs> I, I knew we referred to potatoes yeah, as spuds, spuds, but yeah, I didn't but know Fritz. that. Is Fritz a German? Like a kind of way to cook a potato. I think. Are you thinking of Fritz? Oh, yeah, maybe. But anyway, Fritz. (laughs) So she called her her rat a name that doesn't really. That's so cute. He's got a little pink nose. I'm going to get one. Uh, Oh, yeah. So so he's like brownish at the front and then he's got a white bum. Yeah. pale bum. They're very, I mean, I've got to get better photos. Do they crawl all over you when you pick them up and try to cuddle them? Um, they do like to sit on the shoulder Mm. and uh, they, they love cream cheese. Can you give them cuddles? Yeah, yeah, they're they'll a little bit reluctant at the moment, I think, because, you know, considering the circumstances. Yeah. But they do love um, cream cheese, weirdly. They go nuts for it. So Ooh. I'll give that them a little treat. When Who I get- doesn't go nuts for a bit of cream cheese? I know. So, uh, a bit of salmon with it. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be careful, Capers. though, because if you feed them and they, you know, go for your fingers. Oh, they, they nom, can, nom, nom, Yeah, they can get you, so... But I'm hoping one day I'll come home and one will just be cooking dinner for me, <laughs> like in Ratatouille. <laughs> You're more likely to come home and they're going to jump on top of your head and start pulling your hair until you cook things the right way. I think that's how it works, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, what hey, a we've got a rat too. He's up in the shelf. <laughs> but just a, a Ratatouille statue Shoe. instead of a, you know, actual rat. Yeah, no, we don't keep an actual rat on the shelf. No. Nobody, nobody does that. Sorry, I just thought I moved this so you had the privilege of seeing the wonders of the technology. Com- computer. Look at all this space for activities on the table. I know. It's, yeah, it's see, magical. this my evil plan worked. Activities. Is, Are we going to play cards that while we record? Recorded. Oh my god, we could that do that. Would be fun. We could. Oh, there's a new like card game 
um, called Psycho Killers or something. I don't know anything about it apart from the fact that it's called Psycho Killers and it's a card game. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to buy that. It does Ooh. sound like it's right up your alley. Oh, yeah. The, I, 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 ha- I think it has to do with like horror movies of the 80s and the tropes. Oh. So maybe it's a game you and I could play together. Ooh. Very cool. Let's play Kill Each Other. Yay! <laughs> Sorry. I was talking to my mum the other night. To I, I've got Stan at the moment and I watched After the Night, which is the four-part documentary series about the, the, the murders or the, yeah, Edgar Allan Cook, the last man who got uh. hung in, in Perth and the crimes mm. he committed and a few other things. So it was really weird watching um, – the place you live depicted in a documentary. And so I called my mum and I said, obviously you were too young when this happened because it was all happening in 1963. She said she doesn't remember anything, but all of a sudden they had to lock their doors all the time ah. and it just became a thing. And I just thought oh. it was, I don't, why did I bring this up? Oh, know. yeah, that's Isn't right. his Psycho son, kids? Roger Cook, the, the politician? Tony. Tony Cook. Tony Cook. Oh, uh, the, the Labour guy. Yes. yes. I knew um, there was some sort of like labor. But I mean, his wife, Sally Cook, still, she's just, she passed away a couple of years ago. But yeah, she still lived in South Perth the whole time. Mm. And it was really interesting. But I said to mum, don't you remember me like buying books on psychos and like killers and stuff when I was in my teenage years? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, didn't you think that was weird? And she goes, oh, I thought it was a bit morbid. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but you try not to judge your children no, too much. No, that's right. It's uh, just a phase. Yeah, yeah it's just a phase just she's a phase. going through. Oh, look, she's buying knives. Ooh. <laughs> it's just a phase she's going I through. I swear we used to have a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a phase. Um, Rachel, why have you got so much plastic wrap? <laughs> <laughs> Is that tarpaulin? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, why do you want mum, your dad and I to buy you a ute as your first car? <laughs> a shovel. What do you need a shovel for? <laughs> Oh, dear. Okay, sorry. Oh. Rachel is not a serial killer for the I'm record. I'm not. I'm not. No. I don't know why You're too I'm squeamish for that with, shit. I know. I am. Yeah. I don't know why I'm fascinated with that Yeah, I know. Stuff. Given that you're a reasonably squeamish person. Well, I When think it comes to, like, blood and that kind of stuff. They ha- There's some kind of theory about, like, if you have anxiety and stuff like that, those sort of people tend to be interested in that sort of stuff because you, like, want to really be prepared. Mm. I just, I think I find oh. the psychology of everything really interesting. Yeah, yeah. What makes, what the heck? Human like, behavior. Mm. It's fascinating. There's some stuff I won't listen to. Mm. It's just too too much, but, you know. Anyway, this <laughs> show was not about serial killers. No, with you two on the mics. I know. We should do a show about we serial killers. We could do yeah. it's one about serial killers and their depiction in TV and um, mm. film. I'll just go, mm, Dexter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We could totally do a whole app on that. We could. Oh, we were talking about that this morning. Dexter's getting like a reboot, they're calling yeah, it, but that. it's more of like a – it's not like a reset reboot. It's more like a that going to give it a chance to have another season finale because everyone was so pissed off with the oh, one really? that was on there. Oh, I can't even remember how it ended. He just went away. And, I never watched it. And he didn't didn't get killed, didn't uh, oh, get caught. didn't get caught. Just went away and went on a boat and it was all good. I think I think that's how it went. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. it was something I mean, like I that. I remember him driving off on a boat. Necessarily a bad ending. I mean, you don't want him to get caught. No. But you also don't want him to get killed. Do I mean, you? I don't like well, him. I don't know. I debatable, I suppose. It is he debatable. He was killing bad people. Yeah. yeah. So no. they would, like, he'd identify his... 
adoptive father mm. taught him to identify people that were had done bad things, like mm. really bad things. Because he was not a- just like they stole some chewing gum. You know what to do, mm. Dexter. Yeah, because his dad was like, this guy is not, he's going to need to kill. So he mm-hmm. might as well channel that uh, desire to kill into a positive way, <laughs> as, as positive as possible. So, yeah. It was a good premise, though, when it first mm-hmm. appeared. Oh, I mean, great. you know, it's a good premise, but I think it, I don't know. I tried re- reading the books and it was just like, eh, yeah, I can't same. get into I tried it. rewatching the series too and I couldn't didn't really, work. no, mm. it didn't really work that well. I but, think I tried to watch a couple of episodes and I just couldn't get into it, which is strange because you'd think, That'd be right up my alley, mm. but it just wasn't. Mm. No. I remember binge watching it when I was at uni and I remember like I, I used to live in the um, student accommodation uh-huh. and I'd be so bad. I'd skip some of my classes just to go home and watch Dexter. <laughs> and I remember doing that so often and I was like, oh, God, because you didn't always – it wasn't compulsory to – you had to attend a certain amount of classes yeah, yeah, per but year, not but always, not all of them. Yeah. Um, and this is where Cecilia tells us she doesn't – she didn't actually graduate. I didn't graduate. Well, well, I mean, your lectures were always recorded too, so you could listen to them online, which oh. – that's a very excited mode from her. Um, yeah. I don't know what that's about. We might have to have a look. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah, we killed the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's not red paint. <laughs> oh. I just oh. thought you painted your nails. No, yeah, we just put, put them outside and, uh, and, and move the fly screen across so they can't come back in again. <laughs> <laughs> You're banned. They'll probably get to the kitchen window and just go, hi. <laughs> Are you going to? No? Okay. You're not going to get their little eyelids. Dogs. How do we tie dogs in? We can't tie dogs and can't really tie in psychos. Although I guess yes. there were some psychos in Godfather. Well, wait a minute. We can't tie dogs in because uh, you and I, the other day, we were watching Marie Antoinette. Mm. And in Marie Antoinette, ah. um, the, the film starts uh, with Kirsten Dunst, Marie Antoinette, and she's got this little uh, pug. pug. Is mm-hmm. it a pug? Mm-hmm. A little pug thing. And you can tell that she loves this dog and this dog is a big part of her life. But then when she's going from her home to France, uh, she has to lose everything to do with Austria. Austria, including her dog. And it's really devastating when this little pug gets taken away it from It is very from sad. And she's mm. so young too. Mm. And to be 14. Taken, away from her, taken away from her mm. doggy. Did you think like in the starting scenes of that um, that she looked almost like Alice in Wonderland? She had – her costume was kind of blue and she had a little like band on her blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah. She looked very Alice in Wonderland. I actually wrote – I watched it and wrote notes. Wow. I, I think it's because it's got that very colourful um, kind of um, pastel colours. Like mm. it feels very pastel. Um, and I just associate Alice in Wonderland with that mm. as well because you've got the blue and the things like that. So so the, the point of us talking about that is that um, you're listening to Tangent City. It's, you know, <laughs> getting on a little bit. We're doing all right. 14 and a half minutes. That's not bad. <laughs> we have Cecilia. We have Rachel. We have Lewis. And you have myself, Catherine. And we're talking about Sophia Coppola. Which is very exciting. Because mm-hmm. we did briefly mention her when we did an episode on um, women in film. Mm-hmm. We but, did. Yeah. Which is what where my confusion was. I was like, I think we've done an episode. But yeah. then I realized it was that we had spoke about. And but. then we decided let's devote a whole episode to her because she's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, that's what we decided to do for today's show. But Marie Antoinette, it's just such a nice way to tell that story and to just put a little bit of a spark of the different music and stuff like that yeah, in there. Yeah, very modern music for a 
When the blue dress was on, the thing that Lewis kept on saying was, this reminds me so much of the grey. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh. And so I was looking at the timeline, the crossover between those two people, and they were kind of around during the same time. Mm. So that's interesting. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think. Didn't she bring wigs over from France um, to probably to Russia? Mm. Like this is what they're wearing in France. Mm. Ah, yes. Because wasn't she Venetian originally? Venetian? Uh, oh, not Venetian. Like, like French lines. Um, no, where did where did Catherine the Great come from? I thought she was from Austria uh, as well. Uh, no, I thought she was Polish. Yeah. Oh, she is Polish. Polish. You're right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want me to fact check that one? <laughs> because I'm just like <laughs> going. Um, but, we need a fact check. Uh, but I mean, thing from just like a the Russian court thing. traditionally spoke French mm. because oh, did they now? Yeah, that was like their thing. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Eh. So that's why there's always been kind of links between the two, and I guess France has always been like the capital of fashion and that kind of mm. stuff. So. Hmm. Yes, I think everyone kind of looked towards um, France for their fashion. Fashion. I guess they had like such high standards and stuff and they had all the, the hoity-toity kind of like, no, this like drab stone castle thing. It's mm-hmm. like all like gilt and pretty and Spe- completely different. Yeah, and speaking of fashion, Sofia Coppola was very interested in fashion. Mm. She um, interned for Chanel. Um, and then I think she dropped out of university, but she's got a uh, clothing line called Milk Fed, which uh, sold exclusively in Japan. Oh, I oh, didn't know that. I, I thought you were going to reference like the little shorts she did for, for Dior, you know, with Natalie Portman. Yeah, for the- but she did those as well. But I think yeah. that her interest in fashion has been uh, very influential in her oh, scene in her films as mm. well. So they're very stylistic, mm. her films. And I mean – especially with with Marie Antoinette you know everything it's so stylish you got all the that scene where they're looking at all the shoes and just I love that scene yeah (sighs) should we go back to the start we should we go through chronological order or um, oh no we just like hit things when we hit them did you did you want to go back to the godfather Coppola was born oh no I wasn't gonna I was just gonna go back to suicide New York no um Interesting. No, no. Her cousin is Nicholas Cage. Cage. Nicholas. I love Coppola. how you go to her cousin first and not her dad. <laughs> her I know dad more man. of her cousins were. Who's her dad? She's um, I'm joking. Oh, this guy. Um, what's his name? Um, Seriously. Yeah, no. And I know. her other cousin, Jason Schwartzman. Ah, oh, is that how he ends up in Rantanet? Yeah. yeah. Huh. There you go. Nepotism. Nepotism. Interestingly, though, I think her father, Francis Ford Coppola, if we didn't already mention, um, was he didn't help Sophia Coppola a lot. So she got a lot of – so she obviously appeared as an actress in um, a couple of his films, you know, A Baby in Godfather and then mm. later in Godfather 3. Mm-hmm. And then I remember reading that her performances were so criticised that she turned away from acting altogether and, the, you know, there was this speak of nepotism and stuff uh. like that. So I think um, Frances Ford Coppola then didn't really help her a lot with her film endeavours because he wanted her to make it on her own and he wanted that kind of whole nepotism thing to dissipate. But I think she still cops it a bit. Um, really? But to I- what degree didn't he help her? Because a lot of her films were released through the Zotrope. 
Yeah, I think. Production. I mean, I so, don't like know obviously how... backing in terms of money and mm. stuff was there. I think the financial side of it is there, and I think it's really hard to say that she didn't get any help from mm. him. But I think the important thing is is that she her films are very much her own. Like she has mm. her own voice. You can mm. watch her films, and there's there's absolutely no. I think. It's all her. I think if you didn't know, you totally wouldn't connect the two at all. Yeah. Um, they're so – their work is so, so different. different. Yeah. Yeah. I often used to mistake um, Diablo Cody's work with Sophia Coppola's because there's a oh. little bit of um, – I, I respect both of them separately and I love both their work, but I used to often get mixed up between mm. the two because I think a lot of their stories are very melancholy mm-hmm. and it's all about – trying to make the audience feel things and I think there's always the dialogue side it's always very dialogue heavy very kind of slow paced that kind of thing yeah Marie Antoinette surprised me I re-watched it recently and I haven't seen it for a really long time and I think initially I thought it was a crap movie when I saw it because I was like this is really slow this is doesn't it's not very good and what's the point of this movie I don't know when I saw it but I obviously was way too young to understand it and it's a fantastic film mm. because you you see this young person um, go into this crazy world where she can't even get undressed without five million people being in there and then somebody else comes in oh because she's higher on the on the scale of royalness she is the one who now helps you get dressed she's like this is just ridiculous mm. and the whole it's Everything that goes on in the court just was just bizarre and it was so outside of what she was used to. And I don't know, I just, it was interesting watching it again and seeing the character development as opposed to just going, oh, she's a spoiled brat. Like she's, she's got a process that she goes through. Whoopsies, daisies. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I just saw it in such a different way now that I'm older. And I saw her as a mother as well and mm. and then there's that scene where she has to give birth with a million people in the mm. room and, like, I literally, like, only a couple of days before watching it, I had watched a document or not a documentary, a little YouTube historical video on how queens um, or royalty often uh, would have a lot of people in the room when they gave birth because they had to see – the baby, yeah. what sex it was, the whole thing. Oh, and to make sure that it wasn't swapped out mm. with another baby. <laughs> yeah, I oh. don't exactly, can't remember exactly why. So when I saw that, I didn't question it like, what the heck? I was like, oh, yeah, that, that totally happened. But, you know, Sophia Coppola was um, chastised really for going the way she did initially because it, there was a, a biography that – people expected her to go from and she kind of steered away from that one and and kind of went off something else I think another biography that was not as well received I think so she she stayed away too much from making too many like it's historical it's correct in some ways but she's bringing it into modern times Mm. and she got she caught some flack for it I, I can't mention while we were watching it as well that uh, you could see the parallels between her and Princess Diana in in the way that you know she was entering mm. this this court that was mm. all foreign to her and uh, and just the way she was kind of you know treated. Uh, so it's interesting, like you know, the, the, especially like the hug at the beginning mm, mm. and like when she just greets her. Um, I don't know who that woman was. She was like the 
the someone who ran the court. Oh, Judy Davis. Yeah, what was her name? I, I don't can't remember. Know what it was her like, name was. She was Princess of the Blood. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, but she had to make sure everything was done mm. the correct way. Yeah, she was like the the rule keeper or whatever. Mm. But yeah, when she gave her a hug, and um, there was another bit. Oh, when she arrives in the um, apartments at Versailles, and you're like, oh my god, this is so much like how they portrayed it in The Crown with. Um, Diana going to live at Buckingham Palace. Was it Buckingham Palace? Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just, yeah, just kind of nuts and a very similar kind of situation in some ways where she was just so young and so caught up with the idea of marrying this prince or this yeah, case. Yeah, the fairy the tale. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. And then the fairy tale wasn't really a fairy tale. Well, no, it ended it up with them- a beheading, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... But you know, seven years to try to have a baby because he wouldn't, he wasn't interested in, you know. But then you think about how young they both were. He, he, she was fourteen, and how old was he? I feel like he was. Yeah, there was only was a year or so between or, them. He, that he was young as well. Yeah, and like to expect them to be doing that so early, like I know it with was, so much pressure around I it, know. like the pressure to perform, like no, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and then there's that scene where her. Um, her sister-in-law has a baby mm. and she's running through the court to try to get to a private room to break down. Mm. I felt so much for her. Mm. Like she spent all of this time trying to get her husband to, you know, be with her so they could have a child and then it's, you know, people are just looking at her and questioning her and what, so much pressure. Because mm. because the uh, yeah, but she kind of had one job to do. It wasn't like she was having to scrub floors, cook for herself, no. clean. She just had to shag someone and have a baby. But, but then so- he wouldn't shag her. <laughs> she tried. Oh, how like hard did she try? <laughs> so that's what I find really weird. Is it like? Uh, but that's inexperience and probably no one telling her yeah. stuff as well. But a f- like a fifteen-year-old boy and a fourteen-year-old girl, mm. like the hormones are, are raging. You'd think that would be the easiest thing in the world, but apparently that uh, wasn't wasn't the case. Well, I mean, and do we really know? I, I don't know what the real history is because I haven't opened a history book. But was he? choosing not to have sex with her or were they trying and not getting any success no so i thought the, it was there was that there was no sex happening yeah no sex so the a lot of history saying that he just wasn't interested there was no interest in he sex he may have been asexual or something maybe he mm. might have been gay he might have been just completely overwhelmed with the situation that they were in yeah his father had died and it was his grandfather that was the king Mm. and so he was upgraded to be the dauphin or whatever it is Mm. and it's just so much pressure for someone so Mm. yeah you can understand how you'd just be like meh meh, we can wait (laughs) (laughs) we've got plenty of time well they did look how old my grandfather well they didn't (laughs) well (laughs) did they like die when they were 30 they still had yeah 34 35 yeah yeah, something like that they still had a few they had four kids they were middle-aged technically at 15 oh i thought they had had three kids and one of them died oh well the movie it was three and one but uh you know or maybe they had another one while they were in jail yeah (laughs) Oh, I could be wrong. I thought they had four and one of them died. I will um, do a bit of research. But, <laughs> but you've got to admit, it, it. like you kind of feel for 
that woman in that position because mm-hmm. she was completely powerless. She, okay, she only had one job because she didn't have to do all the other, you know, things that we have to do day in, day out. But what a shit job. And everyone's mm. blaming her for the mm. situation of not having a child. Why is it always the woman's responsibility to produce an heir and then, and then she has a girl first and everyone's really disappointed. Mm. Not her fault, by the way. It's him that made that decision. Mm. I mean, his he, sperm mm. made that decision. But, um, yeah, do you they think, didn't understand those things back then. Do you think, like, she's trying to say something because is she making a connection to her own life, you know, coming from privilege, but trying to tell the world that being privileged means you're somewhat powerless as well? I wonder, you know, I just wonder, I mean, there might not be any connection there whatsoever, but I feel like um, Sophia Coppola does kind of showcase privilege a lot throughout her films. She does, yeah. And I just wonder if it's her way of, you know, trying to tell the the critics, because I think she cops a lot of criticism for, you know, coming from a well-to-do yeah. family, whether, you know, being privileged is not necessarily great yeah just because you have money doesn't mean you're happy mm. or, or privileged yeah. doesn't mean you're happy see i found that really tedious once we got up to on the rocks mm. last year yeah i got to the point where i was just like and i mean there's a lot more to her work than those pieces but mm. with um marie antoinette and then you had uh lost in translation mm-hmm. and then on the rocks and you just had these women that were so privileged but so full of just this ennui of my mm. life is just so difficult and it's just like are we ready it? to tell a new story yeah yeah it's just it she just keeps on hitting those same notes by and I on get the it. rocks yeah, yeah i felt like this we've seen this before yeah and get mm. it out of your system get over it mm. get some counseling and move on do something else because you've got so much to give that you know i think you could do something a little bit more interesting than that sophia <laughs> Oh, burn. No, I, well, I, no, I just like because I, I think she's got so much talent. The way that she portrays or just adds so much energy into an otherwise, I mean, let's face it, like I, Marie Antoinette, like I'm sure life at court would have been rather interesting, but like she made it really interesting. She made it look so rock and roll. And it was, everything was so detailed and beautiful. Mm. Like she gets out of that beautiful carriage. Like you look at how, like the, the material that's used and it just was gorgeous. And then she walks into all those people looking at her and then you've got all those people in these costumes and like they did film at Versailles mm. um, and I don't know how she got that. How cute is her little French baby? <laughs> that little French baby? Yeah, when you're that first country scene where she's out there with her, um, oh. her what's her, um, Maria Sophia or whatever her name yeah, is. Yeah, I can't one. remember but. We're and she's like, mama. And stuff. oh, it's a little beaver. She's saying it in French. And yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> I think Kristen Dunst did a really – that felt very genuine and relaxed. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I quite enjoyed her, her scenes when she was being a mother because mm. it felt, like, natural. Mm. Um, it was so weird to see Versailles on screen. Did do you guys go to Versailles? No, we haven't no. had the chance yet. Mm. We've done other stuff, so – haven't had the chance, but seeing it on screen each time, you're just it's, like, wow. It's this, I know. It's so in your face, like the wallpaper and the everything is got and her bed's like full on in your face with colour and patterns and then the colour and patterns are all over the walls and it's, mm. it's like full on. Yeah. When, just- when they, uh, like the royalty left Versailles, 
Did the place get trashed or did they, like, keep it up and, like, that's why we can go see it now and see I what it was like? I actually don't know. You didn't pay attention, did you? You know, <laughs> to be honest, it was a ridiculously hot day when we went and there were tens of millions of people in there and we did have a guide, but I was sort of like, oh, there's a seat. I'm just going to sit on this for a minute because <laughs> it was ridiculously hot mm. and it was the end of our... Well, he's saying that Versailles wasn't air-conditioned. We went during an unseasonably hot summer in front. Like, we stayed at an Airbnb, and I remember when I was looking at stuff, I'm like, why do none of these Airbnbs have any air conditioning? Mm. And then I found out later it doesn't really get hot enough to have air conditioning in summers that often. So I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. And then we got there, and it was the hottest summer they'd had in years, and it's it was like So how hot was it? Um, it was like 35. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And because yeah. when you think it's about it. It's not by the ocean or anything yeah, like that. So no, you don't have that cooling effect like we no, have here. There was no air, oh. no, no sea breeze. Mm. <laughs> so Marie Antoinette's living in a time where like, you know, hygiene was kind of getting better, but not great. Let's face it. No air conditioning, <laughs> <laughs> no central heating, no doubt. And so, yeah, you sort of, you feel for her, but I think that, Sophia Coppola could have gotten all of that out in that one movie. Mm. And um, and so, I mean, it, I adore Lost in Translation, but it gets to the point where you're just like, oh, if you're so lost, just divorce them and go home. <laughs> so, so Lost in Translation uh, came first in 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously that was um, the, the story of a young girl in – Tokyo with her husband, who was was he an actor or he was a band? Sorry, it was a band. Oh no, he was a photographer. Photographer, Pardon me. Yeah, so with a photographer husband who's I think they were trailing around after a band or something. And uh, and Bill Murray, uh, his character was there as a like old actor that was doing adverts for uh, for a good time, make it Suntory time. Yeah, so so it was like you know you're looking at people who are quite you know well off and Mm. and you know experiencing life and doing that kind of stuff. Uh, Then you had Marie Antoinette, as we said. Like, you can't get more kind of like hoity-toity one percenter than that, really, at the end of the day. Um, and then uh, you've also got, as you mentioned, the most recent one was On the Rocks. Mm. But you but skipped over Bling Ring. That, that, that's, that, let, me, let me do a thing. Okay, let me okay. do a thing. God, jump, jumping in there. Jumping in there. I love that you get it from your radio wife as well as me. Yeah. I always spoil his bits. Yeah. <laughs> So, but in between there, there was other films as well. Now, I'm not really uh, that that up on the the other films that she's done. Like, uh, there's uh, somewhere uh, in 2010, uh, mind you, I think this one here sounds a bit uh, hoity-toity as well. Because after withdrawing to Chateau Marmont, a passionless Hollywood actor re- re-examines his life when his 11-year-old daughter surprises him with a visit. So again, that sounds pretty much like the uh, same wheelhouse we we're talking about before. Uh, the daddy bl- issues as well. Nice. Yeah, the bling ring though because it's a bunch of like fans of uh, movies uh, stalking actors uh, so they can go to their house and, and steal their shit <laughs> is the basis of it. So that's, that is a little have bit different. You, have you seen The Bling Ring? I yeah. Have. I, I really like that movie. It's so interesting and I think, oh, I don't know. Like I remember watching it and didn't really necessarily like it that much, but I've rewatched it since. I quite enjoy it because it's based on a true story. I was going to say it's based obviously. on a true story, yeah. Um, I just found it fascinating that people could get into the homes of people Crazy. who are insanely rich and who you would think would have secure properties. And I think there were literally cases where they just walked through the door, mm. which just 
is someone wasn't doing their very job. Very odd. Mm-hmm. But um how there were times where I felt very uncomfortable with the invasion of privacy for some of these celebrities. I think that was the point. point. Yeah. Like I, I there's a I think what's happened for me is every time I've watched a Sofia Coppola film, mm. I've initially not liked it gone back and watched it again and enjoyed it more. Yes. Um, And this has happened with Virgin Suicides, uh, Mary Antoinette, Bling Ring. um, But on the rocks I liked the first time, Lost in Translation I liked the first time but didn't like it the second time. Mm. So so don't get me wrong as well because on the rocks I thought was a great movie. Mm. I just think that she could do so much more than these whingy, rich, on way movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking at me. I was like, well, well I, I agree because I loved On the Rocks, but I felt like it, it, it there was some similarities to mm. Lost in Translation. Um, but then you've also got The Beguiled in there as well, 2017 film, which was based on yeah. um, a book and also a 1971 film, I believe, with Clint Eastwood. See, I, I tried to find um, – beguiled to watch it before today and I just couldn't get my hands on it it was on stand for a long time and I think mm. that must have gone off but um I got through a part of that film and turned it off not necessarily because I wasn't enjoying it but I just I just think I had other things to do at the point in time but mm. um the only film that sort of did you catch it though yeah I, I watched the beguiled yeah you did. it was it was slow um and it it, it was um yeah it was it was kind of it was kind of interesting, but uh, um, I don't know. I don't like it as much as I like her other films. Mm-hmm. It was uh, just yeah, a bit more me- meandering. But mm. it's got her favorite Kirsten Dunst in it. Mm. Um, the, I f- think the only film like I really I haven't seen somewhere, and I haven't seen The Beguiled. Everything else I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and there's also her short film as well, which she did first. Yeah, I haven't seen any of which her short films. sounds very interesting, by the way. The um, oh, I've got to find out what it's called. It's called Lick the Star, um, and the plot revolves around a clique of four girls who devise a plan to weaken the boys at their school with arsenic. Oh. oh. So that sounds like, compared to her other stuff, very That's, dark, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, The Virgin Suicides is incredibly dark. But also based on a book, though. So. It is. So based on the uh, the book, it's a debut novel from Jeffrey Eugenides, a 1993 debut novel. And initially, she'd written a um, a screenplay to go along with it, and then she heard that it had already been written, mm. and she was devastated. But they ended up um, not getting, not being happy with the screenplay, and she said, "Well, I've already written one. Have a look at it." Mm. And they they chose to go with her version. Mm. Um, and again, initially, when I saw this film, I was like, "This is cray cray," and I don't like it. Mm. And it's still cray cray. But it's really interesting. Mm. And I think for her first feature film, it was an incredible task to take on this this film. And you can already see her style. Um, you know, she uses a lot of colour to tell mm. stories. So you might be inside and it's really orangey and picking up all of those very much the colors of 1974 when it was when it was made and like all those the browns and and the yeah (laughs) and and in the girls rooms it's kind of dark and depressing and blue and then you know you juxtapose it with the story being told by the boys Mm. and the boys room feels lighter it feels cleaner it feels and then outside is it's it's like she's 
Yeah, she's using colour and light to tell the story of how the people in the story are feeling at the time. Hmm. And I've just felt like that she started out really strong and I feel like that's still how she tells a lot of story. Like she tells a lot of story with style and colour. I mean, you look at Marie Antoinette, it's very mm, and much music. like that. The soundtracks are always mm. outstanding. That's right. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I, I really – you can't say you enjoy Virgin Suicides because it's oh, – wholly depressing. <laughs> it is, but it's a really interesting film. And, you know, Catherine – Kathleen Turner's in it. Mm. Um You've got Cecilia 13, Lux 14, Bonnie 15, Mary 16, and Therese 17. So they just, they're, that's a lot of, lot of babies had in a very mm. quick succession. Very Catholic family. Um, mm-hmm. the, the youngest one, Cecilia. So if you've never seen it, um, the movie starts off with her attempted suicide and the doctor's like, why would you do this? And her quote is, Obviously, Doctor, you've never been a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> so, <laughs> Frank. Depressing. Um, it's a really, really interesting movie, but there is a part of the movie. When was the last time you guys saw it? Probably Never seen it. Never seen it either. No. I've seen it once and I haven't really, just because of the, the themes of mm. the film, I find it very I think anyone would find it very it's, difficult to it's watch. It's very dark. I can't – I've not ever been able to go back to it for some reason. I'm like, I don't mm. think I could do it to myself. It's mm. it's not quite as depressing as I thought it was going to be. It's, okay. It is depressing, but it's not like – it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to mm. be. But you've got a young Josh Hartnett in there playing this guy. I think his name is Trip, But he goes out on this date with Lux, um, who's the played by Chris – Kristen Dunst. Mm. And oh, really? so she's like done three films? The uh, That one, that one. And, and Beguiled. And Beguiled, yeah. Oh, right, because Beguiled's got the uh, Kirsten Dunst and Elle Fanning, which is interesting because of the, the great mm. and, mm. and – Yes. Um, yep. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I think Elle Fanning, was she in Somewhere? Yes, I think well. so. Yeah, she played the daughter. She likes to, to bring in people she's used mm. before. But um, the, the story basically is that Lux goes – on this date with um, with Trip, they have sex. He leaves her um, overnight, like they have sex at the the field, basically at school, and leaves her there overnight. He's like, "Yep, check you later." In the field. Uh huh. What a prick. I know. Uh, and then because of that, her and her sisters all get basically ho- like homeschooled and locked in the house. And then you know, it's very depressing, and they all. Kill themselves. Oh, um, <clears throat> it's in the title, Virgin Suicides, right. except she's not a virgin. Yeah, I was going to say, with the exception. Yeah. But they the didn't want to have a really long title. <laughs> yeah, how weird would that be? Um, yeah, it's got a lot of, like, young faces, like young uh, Hayden Christensen that I recognised. Um, yeah, Josh Hartnett. Uh, but anyway, it's it's bizarre film, but it's, it's very ambitious. Mm, yeah, especially for a first feature mm. speaking of young people in her movies tom hardy yeah <laughs> oh that was the other one and um jamie doran in uh, doonan doonan Do- yeah name? i'm doran? not sure whether it's doran or doonan uh jamie doran i think yeah. that was his first that role. was just like oh my goodness you're so little he's a little baby little baby because um a the doran dude is the 50 shades of yeah thing. yeah yeah, a film yeah. he would rather forget. Mm-hmm. I bet. See, I think about him in in the TV series The Fall. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, mm, 
Yeah. I mean, he was a murderous guy in that, but um, yeah. Nonetheless. Nonetheless, <laughs> it was a very good series. <laughs> I think that does make the, the Beguiled's kind of a departure for her, though, because mm. uh, th- mm. this one, The Beguiled, is a drama, thriller, war kind of film, and it was it is interesting from uh, the, the fact that you've got a a wounded Union soldier rocks up at a girls' school in Virginia during the American Civil War, and then it leads to jealousy and betrayal because you've got like these um, different ages different generations of, of women in in here and they're kind of like fighting for the affections of mm-hmm. of this soldier uh so you got nicole kidman as uh miss martha and then kirsten dunce as edwina and Elle fanning as uh, alicia and uh so yeah it's uh it, it's an interesting film i just think it was just slow if i remember rightly do you Didn't remember do you that? remember Sorry. the youngest girl in the film how old she was? No. Because it would have probably been Elfanny character. Or? The character was mm. because the 1971 film cropped, uh, copped criticism because Clint Eastwood plays the wounded soldier and the youngest girl is 12 Ooh. and they share a kiss. Oh. So I just wonder, mm. I mean, I don't think that they would have brought that into this film because this was 2017. Mm. There's no way they would have got away with that. No, I doubt I it. I don't think so But either. it's interesting that she chose to um, – do a film that had already been done. Yeah, so, true, true. Yeah, it is definitely a departure, like you say. Um, interesting. Shame that it wasn't a little bit better received. Yeah. Or that it wasn't a better I would movie. like to go back yeah. and watch it, um, but I don't know. Yeah, it seems a bit slow, doesn't it, that one? Well, all of her films are kind they of slow. They are. Apart from The Bling Ring, I felt like The Bling Ring wasn't slow. No, that's right. It was very, and I, yeah, it was very much on, um, on beat, really, that uh-huh. film. Yeah. yeah. And again, lots of music. Yeah. But slow doesn't necessarily need to be bad. No, no. Because, like, no. we watched a really slow movie yesterday and uh, we'll probably yeah. talk about it in another episode. But um, it was slow, but the slowness didn't make it bad. It didn't feel that long either. It was no, that's two, hour, or two hours that film, yeah. but it didn't actually feel that yeah, long Yeah, I didn't feel like me. looking at my watch, no, which is weird. Which is, no, like, her films, like, Sophia Coppola's films are slow, but they make me feel like they, mm. they bring out the feels, which is good. Mm. And I'm always excited to see more. But I think the beguile just comes down to the fact that I tried to watch it at home. Mm. And I think that we've covered that topic of trying to watch films at home. It's not necessarily as, as exciting as seeing them in the cinemas. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So can we talk about Lost in Translation then? Yeah, we can. Uh, that's your favourite uh, Sophia Coppola film, isn't it? Would you say? Um, um. Uh, I'd probably be able to throw up between Marie Antoinette and, and Lost in Translation. <laughs> well, I, I guess, yeah, throwing up was more of a Roman thing, wasn't it? Not so much a French thing. Vomitorium. Was it a Greek thing? I always get confused between the two. Um, yeah, they weren't no, actually just for, they weren't actually for throwing up vomitoriums. Oh. No, that was what they used to <laughs> look at me being all like, this is the historical part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a vomitorium is actually an exit oh, where wow. a lot of people can leave at once. once. They're oh. vomiting out of the, the, the Colosseum or whatever. Very cool. Mm. That was one thing that you raised. It's like, how could everyone be so skinny in Versailles mm. if all they're doing is sitting around drinking eating, champagne and eating, eating cake? I know. <laughs> Anyway, that's another story for another day. <laughs> um, yeah, so Lost in Translation was one of those movies that – when did it come out? Was it 2003? Three, three yeah. yeah. 
So it was just a movie that was just perfectly timed because I think we just had Ghost World, if I remember correctly. So we'd just seen Scarlett Johansson in that. Mm -hmm. And then she shows up in this and she's just, it's her performance that probably grabs you more than anything. And also seeing Bill Murray because he's just absolutely brilliant. But he's always Bill Murray, isn't he? Yeah, I suppose that there's an element of that, but is there an element of her always being Scarlett Johansson or Johansson or however you pronounce it these days? Hmm. I think when you're a star, like they, they, they kind of like, they're not character actors, so you don't expect them to be trying to like hide their true self. Mm. Um, well, that's part of acting though, isn't it? True. Yeah. Well, you know, Bill Murray was Garfield, let's not forget. Mm-hmm. He definitely wasn't Bill Murray then. <laughs> but when he was Garfield, he wasn't an old, cynical, divorced yeah. or nearly divorced man that was True. just like questioning his life, life. choices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Garfield didn't really question his life choices. <laughs> thought about eating lasagna. more lasagna. lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> That's a life choice. Mm, lasagna. Oh, man. Mm, num, num. Um, yeah, so it was just one of those movies where you, so you just seen her in that and um, Ghost World. You got to see her again in this. You got to see her best side first. Those opening credits where all it is is a pair of knickers up on your screen, basically, <laughs> and two amazing butt cheeks. What more could you want on your Saturday morning? Because it was one of those lunar movies mm. that we saw on a Saturday morning. And what more could you want out of your Saturday? Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, just up on screen for a ridiculously long amount of time as the credits roll. It's great. (laughs) But no, the content was good. And that whole thing of like just being like stuck in a country where you Mm. don't speak the language and you don't have anyone there with you that's available. And it's not like you're touristy things either because you're there for a job, like whether it's her husband. She's tagging along. She's tagging along and – yeah, she wants to see and do things and she's kind of stuck. Mm. They're both kind of trapped in the hotel. Yeah, yeah, they really are. It's almost like a that's where they have to be. Almost like one of those of like, I don't know, like Existens or something like that, yes. that if they walked out the front door, they'd always end up back there. Mm. Yeah. They did, they and what a terrible hotel yeah. to be in. I mean, you know. But they did get out and go to other places though. Yeah. yeah, and that was the thing is that she did have friends in town mm. as well. So, but I guess you can't always, when they're working and that kind of stuff, mm. you can't always call on them to keep you company. And she did seem to get out and do stuff like go to um, – like the temples and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But when you've got nobody to do it with, how rewarding is it? Oh, I just think it was like... She was just unhappy. Yeah, so unhappy, such, at such a loss as to whether that's what she wanted to be doing in her life. And, Who played her husband? I'm trying to remember. Uh, 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 Benet- no, not... Uh, uh, oh, Giovanni Rabisi. Yeah, Rabisi, yeah. And I was just like, try to remember that for the... He's always one of those people I always forget his name. I really enjoy him. Yeah, he's great. Can you remember that movie he was in with Kate Blanchett? The something? Gift. I literally was just no. thinking. Oh, the Italian gifted. one where they don't speak and it's oh, okay. like um, something in the clouds and it's oh. an Italian movie. I might something look that out. Something in the clouds? Because I was just thinking of that one, I think it's called The Gift or Gift. Is it called The, the gift? gift? Yeah. And Kate Blanchett is psychic, psychic, yeah, and he's very emotionally damaged, and he keeps having these images of a blue diamond. Mm. Uh, 
but I won't get into the reasons why. I love that why, film. That, that is such I, a good film. I cannot rewatch that film. I found it's it pretty depressing. Though, too isn't upsetting. It? Yeah, it's very just depressing. too upsetting. But he was fantastic. I always remember um, Harold and Kumar, and the two other guys are like, "Oh, we're going to watch this movie because you get a glimpse of Katie Holmes' boobs." <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it the gift? Yeah, yeah. Is she? What does she do in that where she gets her boobs out? I can't even. remember. I have no idea. But that it's I just remember that time reference. Since I've seen it. Um, yeah, but I know it's such a good film. That's like going, oh, let's watch Blue Valentine because there's some sex scenes in it and then watch it and it's just <laughs> so like bad. The yeah, most so depressing, depressing yeah. sex scenes you've ever seen in your life. Oh, dear. Oh. I, re- I can't find – I'm sure it was something about the clouds or something like that. I'm sure it was Kate Blanchett and Giovanni Ribisi. It was an Italian film festival movie and there's very little dialogue in it. <clears throat> I have no mm. idea what you're talking about. Is it – oh, no, that's not the one. The Missing? No, that's not Italian, though. Italian, though. Mm. Um, I'm sure it was It was an Italian movie. I'm sure it was the Italian yeah, Film Festival. Like, yeah, that, I know. It was like back in the early 2000s. Maybe, maybe we'll just do one of those those mysteries. If anyone uh, listening actually knows what film we're referring to, please do write in. <laughs> no, don't do that. We'll yeah. figure it out. Um, don't at me. As, as, <laughs> <laughs> Giovanni Ribisi was in The Virgin Suicides as well. Oh, was he? Mm-hmm. As as well as the uh, the films, and I must have missed him. Sorry. As as well as the we fil- always miss you, Giovanni. <laughs> as well as the films that uh, she's done, she's also done a lot of uh, other things. You mentioned those Dior adverts mm. that she did uh, with Natalie Portman. Did you say that was in yeah? Those? Um, and she did uh, the White Stripes. I just don't know what to do with myself. Film clip as well. Oh, really? Um, and then. Uh, yeah, she's done you know, a few. Yeah, I think uh, my my favourite thing she's done is uh, a very Murray Christmas, which was uh, Bill Murray's. <laughs> I was wondering when we were going to get yeah, there. <laughs> Bill Murray's Christmas special from twenty fifteen. Uh, I, I enjoyed the hell out of this. This was this was awesome. Just just having you know one of those old fashioned kind of you know uh, Christmas mm. specials where he runs into celebrities and they sing songs and do stuff like that. It was just really fun. I can't believe we didn't watch that over Christmas. Yeah, I know because we always said that it that was, was going to be our right? new mm. yeah. That was going to be our new um, Christmas tradition was watching that on Christmas Eve and we never did it. Yeah. And it's so good. So do we have to like schedule it in to remember? <laughs> probably, probably. This year. But yeah, so she done, she's done a lot of stuff. So uh, as I said, for me, A Very Murray Christmas is is my favourite thing she's done just because I love Bill Murray so much. Mm-hmm. And this is a chance for him to be not a grouchy old man in, in the film. So it's kind of cool. Uh, but what would your, your favourite? Uh, well, before we go into favourites, because who likes playing favourites anyway? <laughs> she played a role in Phantom Menace. Did she now? Yeah, she played – oh, no, now I've gone off that page. Was she one of the handmaidens? Yeah, I think she was. And I think I pointed that out to you when we were watching it, that it was Sofia Coppola. Mm. Um, and, like, because she can't have been that young at that stage. 71, so – She's 1971, yeah. so she's 10 years older than us. And Natalie Portman's around our age, isn't she? Mm. So she's got very, very young face to oh, have been yeah. able to play a role like that. Oh, look, she still looks young. Look at that. <laughs> when was that photo taken, Lewis? <laughs> 1971. <laughs> 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 no, oh my god, no, no, love no, it! No, it wasn't. It was. Uh, it was a much, uh, much more recent photograph. And I, I don't feel so bad now. I can see why I missed she Giovanni Ribisi. He was the narrator. Ah. Uh, Virgin Suicide. So I'm okay about not 
recognising him. Oh, okay. He's the just, narrator. He was the narrator. Well, I'm disgusted he didn't recognise his voice. Oh, sorry. Terrible. <laughs> Very sorry. That was 2013 was that photograph, so it was not nice. Mm. I love that you actually longer. looked it up. That's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favourite is probably, uh, I, I know it's a weird choice, but Bling Ring. And I don't know why. I really like Marie Antoinette, Marie Antoinette, but I don't know. There's something about Bling Ring that I really mm-hmm. like. I don't know, to be honest. I can't really recall any of them that I've particularly loved. I mean, I, I respect Sophia Coppola and I like some of her choices. Maybe Marie Antoinette um, for its kind of visual style. Maybe. And soundtrack, modern soundtrack. I think that I appreciate that. Mm. Um, and I did really enjoy the dialogue in um, On the Rocks between mm. between the characters. So Did, did you like that Marie Antoinette was... for, the, for the ship hair? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Everyone's there for the ship hair. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who isn't is just, you know, not cool. <laughs> and I don't know if I said it at the beginning of that's the bit this that show. <laughs> about, did, did I say it at the beginning of this show or off air that I used to get confused between Sophia Coppola and Diablo Cody? I think no, you said, said it on air because yeah. I like a lot of Diablo Cody movies and I used to think that that was Sophia Coppola. She does some amazing but, stuff um, and she's kind of the same like age and probably yeah. one of the very few women out there that are recognisable yeah. in their movies. And you always know it's one of hers yeah. except for when you get confused between Sophia Coppola and Diablo <laughs> Cody. But I think that's just now an just age thinking. thing for me. I'm, I'm, now that I'm growing up a little bit more, I can, um, I can differentiate between the two. But, yeah. So I'm thinking Juno, Young Adult, Tully – what else has Diablo Cody done? They're the three I can think yeah, of. Yeah, I love Young Adult. I think that's a great film with Charlize Theron. Yeah. That's a really good film. I feel like there's one that we're missing. Oh, yeah. Oh, there would be. I think there's a couple in there. But um, anyway, so, yeah, no, I do I do like Sophia Coppola, but um, I, I do, definitely don't – I mean, there's other people I'd put before her. In terms oh, she's of definitely films. not my favourite um, um, director by any means. No, but, but – But I, I like her style. Hmm. The way she styles things, yeah. I think that that's probably ultimately what it is, is that she's got so much access to be able to add that to a movie, mm. you know, like with her training, studying and fashion and that kind of thing. It probably adds a different different element that other people can't bring. Jennifer's body. I was just the other one. Yeah, <laughs> did, yeah. We were both like looking it up. <laughs> but if I was to choose between Marie Antoinette and um, Lost in Translation, I think I'd probably go Lost in Translation because it's such a – it's just such an interesting look. concept. Yeah, like someone stuck in a hotel mm. and just the relationship that develops between Bill Murray and her is just because they're just both in the same position, so it's interesting. And it's the only movie you've ever bought the underpants of. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I think you've but said yeah. it on a, another show. I probably so. have because I was so excited when I did buy them. But, yes, I brought the Arax underwear <laughs> because they are so lovely. What's I must the company say, called? Sorry, Arax. Arax. A-R-A-K-S. They're based in New York. And oh, I, well, spent, I, I spent all the money and they sent me a lovely box and it was all like with little handwritten notes saying thank you for supporting us because it was during COVID times. Mm. But I thought, you know what? Fuck it. If I can't go to Paris and buy knickers, I'm going to get these ones. And what a so, way to treat yourself too yeah. during that particular but time. Like, oh, like, just lovely, comfy underwear. I know. I need, it. I need to have a look. Yeah, That's you do. Interesting <laughs> picture. <laughs> on their website as we speak. Well, it's, it's advertising the, the top, so obviously... So like, it's swimwear. Is that swimwear, is it? Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> you two are hilarious. I love how old you two are. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's not clothing. 
Um, Excuse and just, me, just you're before the same we... age as me, Biarch. <laughs> just before we close. Technically older. Just before we close out as well, um, I found that movie. It's called Heaven and it's got Kate ah. Blanchett and ah. Giovanni Ribisi. It was released in 2002 in Australia. And so it must have been probably the first of the Italian film festivals that I went to over here. I think it was the opening movie. And it's just a lot of it's just them running away and the – yeah, it's got. I remember it having a really trippy ending, but I've only seen it the once, and it's got very little dialogue. Okay, Ooh. it's that was the second film they did together then, because only a couple of years before that was the gift. Yeah, mm. yeah, intriguing. Um, but that's that. So I think um, it is. Look, I'm, I mean, Sofia Coppola, we're critical now, of so. her, but we love her. <sighs> yeah. Love Just your work. Be interested to see what's next. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You'll see something in the next three years. I imagine there seems to be. About three years between all of her major films. So, yeah. Mm. Well, pace yourself. <laughs> Catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture. <laughs>